We come to this place for horror. We come to this podcast to jump, to scream, to scare, because we need that. All of us, that heart-stopping feeling when the lights begin to dim, and we go somewhere we probably shouldn't. Not just frightened, but somehow reanimated together. Terrifying images on a huge silver screen. Sound that makes my blood curl. Somehow, nightmares feel good in a place like this. Our monsters threaten the best part of us. And stories feel creepy and sinister. Because here... <laughs> they are... It's showtime. If you want me again, I'll cut you like a fish. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Oh, Could I ignore you. it? I could help you this time. The air itself is here Welcome to another mini episode of In a Place Like This. I'm Chris Michael Smith. It's been a month. (laughs) Uh, I've been pretty busy and I made the mistake of recording two episodes in one week, which kind of gave me a pretty daunting workload, which is one of the reasons why it took so long to release the last two episodes. I am, however, very happy with how those two episodes turned out, so, you know, it's just, it took a little longer, um, I was kind of stressed out, not necessarily because of the podcast, but because of outside factors, and, you know. As you may have noticed, I recorded a new intro, uh, specifically for Halloween season, because I'm using today's mini to kick off spooky season for In a Place Like This. Over the next couple months, I am going to be recording horror-themed episodes, so look out for that. And appropriately enough, uh, today I'm going to be discussing uh, someone who was once considered a master of horror, then kind of um, fell from grace a little bit, and I do want to discuss that so-called falling from grace because it is worth mentioning. But first, I want to briefly discuss some of the things that I have been watching. Uh, Just finished watching the first episode of House of the Dragon, and uh, that is way better than I expected. Uh, Game of Thrones, which is something that I was, like, really into when that was, you know, when that was in. uh, That final season was a little bit underwhelming in spite of some very spectacular battle sequences. Uh, It really felt like this was going to be... um, kind of an underwhelming we're being introduced to new characters um this takes place like years and years and years and years before the story that we're used to but honestly i feel like the writers are doing a pretty good job so far and i am very intrigued to find out what happens next marvel has released a couple episodes of she hulk and oh my god uh like look i want marvel to do more genre stuff like yeah, the the action adventure, you know, typical superhero movie, those are fun. But like when you look at what they've done over the last couple of years with like WandaVision, uh, which was like borderline experimental, um, you you have uh, 
Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which was a horror film. And now we have She-Hulk, which is just kind of a straight up comedy. You know, I'm up for all of this. And I think Marvel needs to like uh, dig into this more and like give us more like, look, if Marvel wants to push back at the narrative that all of their movies look the same, they need to do more things like this. Also, Captain America, fuck. Uh, in theaters, uh, I haven't actually had a chance to go to the movies as much this last month. It's been really busy for myself and the usual group that I go to the movies with. I did get a chance to go see Bodies, 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 which uh, that is a delightful surprise. Um, it's a... I've seen it described as Scream meets Mean Girls, and I'm going to push back at that because no... Uh, Scream meets Mean Girls. You're thinking of Heathers. That's uh, and that came before both of those movies. Uh, this one is kind of its own thing, and it's hard to describe it. It's hard to like put. I can see that being used as like the pitch, but like that's not really what the movie is. It's a whole lot of fun. It is a dark comedy, uh, slasher horror film, and it's. It's a lot of fun. It, there's no wasted moment. Uh, nothing is thrown in there that doesn't like come back in some way later. It's great. Uh, go into it with an open mind, please, because like uh, there there are some things that might like upset you if you are expecting a very specific kind of movie. But for what it is, it does a fantastic job. So on to the episode itself. The um, subject at hand is M. Night Shyamalan, who seemingly exploded onto the scene with a little movie called The Sixth Sense. Uh, not entirely true. He had done uh, previously a couple of films that were, you know, not necessarily as successful. Probably the bigger title of the two is a film called Wide Awake, uh, featuring Rosie O'Donnell as a nun. Um, that was... You You look at that movie and then realize this is the same guy who would go on to do The Sixth Sense and become, like, a master of horror. There's, like, a bit of a divide there. I actually have not seen that film, but just so you know, like, The Sixth Sense was not his first. Uh, in fact, he also, a lot of people don't know this, uh, was a screenwriter for the film... Stuart Little. Again, not what you would expect from someone who would, like, come to be known as the next Hitchcock. I also want to push back at that, too. The whole next Hitchcock thing really was setting him up for failure uh, long before he actually made a film that disappointed people. Uh, when we look back at... First of all, we shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be looking at a filmmaker and going, oh, this director is the next... Spielberg, the next uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Because, like, n no. When we look at someone today, someone like Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele is the first Jordan Peele. He's not the next anyone. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan was the first M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, his films aren't even that comparable with Hitchcock, if you think about it. Hitchcock didn't really make supernatural films. They were, like, suspense thrillers. And yes, Shyamalan played with suspense a lot, uh, even in his, quote, lesser films. But uh, 
he was his own filmmaker and he has his own artistic style, his own, the things that you can look at a Shyamalan film and tell it's a Shyamalan film. Uh, yeah. Am I going to go as far as to say auteur? Uh, honestly, I feel like the auteur theory applies to every director. So yes. So the sixth sense is mostly known for its twist ending. Um, and this kind of created a narrative that that was sort of like Shyamalan's one trick is that he can make a movie with a surprise ending and it doesn't matter what he did before that surprise ending. It's the ending that makes the movie. Um, what people tend to forget though is that The Sixth Sense was a great movie. Um, it was up for multiple Oscars. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, um, Best Editing, Best Supporting Actor for Haley Joel Osment. I think he should have been up for Best Actor because he was kind of the lead of that movie. Yes, Bruce Willis as well. I believe that was a co-lead situation, but all the same, um, this film was one of the most talked about films of 1999. And yeah, the ending had a lot to do with it, but it, you have to realize though, like the only reason that ending worked is because the rest of the movie did an excellent job building up to it. If the ending didn't make sense, if Shyamalan missed something, if Shyamalan faked you out, if he threw in some, if he cheated, if he like threw in something that made the ending not make sense, that ending would not have worked. And another thing people forget about The Sixth Sense is that it was a legit horror film. Like there were moments that were just terrifying. And I remember watching this in theaters and that scene where like, he's waking up in the middle of the night and he's like terrified to go to the bathroom because he like knows he's gonna see a ghost. And that scene is just like one of the most chilling things ever. Like Shyamalan did everything right with The Sixth Sense, no notes. And yes, it had one of the most like surprising and talked about endings in the history of film. And that's because it did catch everyone off guard. It did surprise everyone and it made sense within the context of the story. And I know, I know that the uh, narrative surrounding this film changed because of later films that he made, but you cannot take The Sixth Sense away from Shyamalan. It was a fantastic film and one of the, one of the finest horror films ever made. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that. I, I firmly believe that. He followed that up with Unbreakable, uh, also featuring Bruce Willis. Uh, this one is sort of like a superhero origin story, but it was like created by M. Night Shyamalan. It's like his own original idea. And that's another thing I, I love about Shyamalan is that his movies, that there's nothing else like them. Uh, even within the superhero genre, you don't have anything like Unbreakable. And for this one wasn't as well received as The Sixth Sense, like as his like sophomore project. Not really, but you know, uh, this one did get a little bit more criticism. Um, it was a little dirtier. It wasn't as tight. It did have that twist ending where, you know, the mentor character was actually secretly the supervillain. That was, oh yeah, sorry. Spoiler alert. Hey, you know what? We're talking about Shyamalan. So yeah. But it did build up a substantial fan base. Uh, there were fans who, for decades, were clamoring for a sequel to it because it did leave itself open for one. Uh, yeah, Unbreakable. 
uh, was not necessarily as good as The Sixth Sense, but it was still a very original, very unique, and honestly, very fascinating movie. Uh, I love that one as well. Signs, uh, featuring Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix, was another one of his major successes. Again, he's building on that suspense. He's building on that horror that made The Sixth Sense so uh, memorable, except he's using aliens. And even there, he did a fantastic job with it. Uh, he, much like The Sixth Sense, he builds the entire movie up towards that third act climax, which isn't so much a twist ending, but it's a tremendous payoff for everything that you've seen in the movie up to that point. Um, thinking back on Signs, uh, the whole narrative that, you know, Shyamalan is a twist ending kind of filmmaker, I don't think so. I've he, Yes, there are twist endings, but I feel like he's more about, like, the payoff. He's more about, okay... I'm going to set everything up. I'm going to put these puzzle pieces together. And then at the end of the movie, you're going to see the whole picture and then it's all going to make sense and it's going to work. Signs is an excellent example of this. The whole, the thing with the cups of water being left all over the place, the tragic swing away moment, uh, all comes together at the end at, for this like really exciting climax. And yeah, the, the moments where you see like the news footage of like the alien and oh yeah, th this is like, this is good suspense, this is good horror, this is good sci-fi. Uh, I guess if we're going to look at a twist ending, it's like their weakness was water, but like, hey, you know what, that, that tracks, that really does track, you know, but also like. At the end of the day, that twist ending was a bit of a red herring because, like, again, like, the whole point of that climax was everything that was building up towards it, everything that was set up, uh, everything pays off. And Shyamalan is really on the nose about making sure everything pays off, but he does so in a very satisfying way. So, yeah, I think Signs is still a very good movie. So, after that... Um, this is where things start to, uh, begin to unravel a little bit, and I think it's unfortunate because, uh, I actually think this was a very good movie, The Village. Uh, so I don't think The Village was a failure in filmmaking so much as it was a failure in marketing. Like, they really, really sold the horror aspect of this movie and it wasn't really that scary but also it wasn't I get the feeling it wasn't supposed to be the the writing the character work the drama was exquisitely well done uh, it was beautiful beautifully filmed the score is haunting uh, just so haunting uh, but I don't think it was supposed to be a horror film. And again, you're looking at a filmmaker who unfortunately got like put in this box of he gives you the surprise twist endings. And this one does have a twist ending, except with this one, it really doesn't feel like that was the point of the movie. Uh, and this kind of like goes to show that Shyamalan, 
the box we put him in, we shouldn't be putting him in any box whatsoever. Uh, no filmmaker should have to uh, deal with that. Kind of sets up unfair expectations, uh, much like comparing them with a classical Hollywood film director. But once again, he likes to tell stories that we haven't seen before, and The Village definitely falls in that category. And can we talk for a second about how amazing Bryce Dallas Howard is in that movie? That was the first movie I've seen her in, and she was just phenomenal. And I've, uh, I, I thought she's been amazing ever since. So yeah, The Village. The Village is a good movie that unfortunately, because it was advertised as something it wasn't, came across as disappointing. But even at the time, I was saying like, no, 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 stop looking at this as a horror movie. It's not a horror movie. It's a drama and it's a very good one. After The Village, he teamed up with Bryce Dallas Howard again to work on Lady in the Water. Uh, once again, Lady in the Water is an idea that is very unique, uh, very different, unlike anything we've ever seen before. When we're out there complaining that uh, nothing is original anymore, here we are. We have this super original film that, yes, it has its flaws. Um, it, for me, I think maybe one or two script rewrites could have made it a great movie, but I think it's still a good one. Bryce Dallas Howard, of course, is fantastic. Uh, I thought Paul Giamatti gave a really good, heartbreaking performance, especially at the film's climax. Like, I was almost in tears there. He was just so good. I think where Shyamalan kind of got a little um, carried away was introducing the film critic character, who I'm almost 90% sure was a response to how they reacted to the village. And I feel like he's better than that. I feel like the the character who I if I'm remembering correctly is like the creature's only body count by the way. Uh he's annoying, he's obnoxious, uh he hates everything and he's just this miserable human being. But like I feel if you're trying to win over film critics, um, or maybe he wasn't, maybe he didn't care, but like, you know, they, they do kind of like have some sway in how well your movie performs and alienating them is probably not the best course of action. But overall, like with all of its flaws and everything, I still think Lady in the Water holds up as a pretty good movie could have been great. I feel like maybe it was a little bit rushed, but once again, there's n there are no other films like it. And again, if we want originality in our movies, that's a, that's a good one to look at. So the one that I really struggled with, um, and I'm kind of coming around to it now because I kind of see what he was getting at, uh, The Happening. The Happening was his first R-rated movie. It's it's a return to horror, like straight up horror. But oh my god, it's a B movie. It's um and I think he did that on purpose. Uh there are reports that the actors didn't really know what they were doing. Uh there are acting choices by 
performers who are usually pretty good that don't make a whole lot of sense. There's literally a scene where Mark Wahlberg tries to reason with a plastic houseplant. The film does acknowledge that that is ridiculous, but that that is in the movie. Uh, there's a scene where they're trying to outrun the wind. There's a scene where the camera gets uncomfortably close to Mark Wahlberg's face while he tries to figure out what is going on. And of course, Betty Buckley wonders why you are eyeing her lemon drink. And if you're planning on stealing something. Or murdering me in my sleep. <laughs> no! What? <laughs> yeah, I actually, you know what? I can't hate a movie that that makes me laugh like that. But also, the choices that he makes, while jarring, while a total violation of, like, what we consider traditionally good, I do feel like every single one of those choices was intentional, that he made the movie that he meant to make. And for better or worse, um... It exists, and uh, I'm going to be honest, we kind of do still talk about it, so... Uh, <laughs> and not necessarily always in a bad light, uh, as I'm going to briefly, briefly go into in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I'd say maybe this one's sort of on the lower tier of his work, but it's got its moments. And again, much like his previous work, there's absolutely nothing else like it. So, again, we want originality, so I think we should be supporting that originality, flaws and all. And I don't think the happening was flawed enough to be like, well, not that, you know? So, uh, he follows that one up with The Last Airbender. And moving on. <laughs> okay, okay, briefly, briefly, briefly. Um, okay, I can't defend it. Uh, th this one I cannot defend, especially after watching the series, which is so much better. Uh, definitely watch the series on Nickelodeon, or I think it's on Paramount Plus right now, but it, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, the movie, um, I feel, isn't entirely his fault. I, I think there was some studio interference there. I don't see much sense in taking an entire season of a TV show and condensing it into a 90-minute film. It does not work. Uh, and yeah, the whole thing just came across as underwhelming. And as uh, popular as Avatar The Last Airbender is, uh, this really upset the fans in a big way. And yeah, um, I can't defend it. Uh, this one I really cannot defend. But again, I feel like its shortcomings are not entirely his fault. Uh, this is outside of his comfort zone. And unlike his previous films, stuff like this has been done before. So you, that, I don't even know why they went with Shyamalan for this. They could have picked any any director um, would they have done it better? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think the odds were stacked against anyone who tried to make this into a movie. So there's that. Um, moving on. 
Uh, wait, not moving on just yet because I need to transition. Uh, this kind of really, really like buried Shyamalan's reputation to the point where I was at the movies and the trailer came up for this horror film um, that looked so good. It looked so intense uh, and thrilling and suspenseful. Uh, such a simple premise, but so effective. And then the words from producer M. Night Shyamalan comes up and everyone in the audience started booing. The movie was Devil. And you know what? Like, number one, um, Shyamalan's involvement with Devil was mainly as a producer, and I think uh, he came up with a story for it. Uh, he did not write or direct it. Uh, but it was good. It was a really good movie. Uh, very suspenseful. Uh, always keeps you guessing. And it's like, it's such a simple story it, that you breeze right through it, but it's done very well. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to get behind Devil as well, even though that's not technically, like, his, uh, entirely him. I did want to just briefly discuss that because, like, again, the reaction to this film, even before it came out, was a resounding disapproval just because of uh, whose name was attached to it. After Earth would be his next film. Um, so I only recently just watched this for the first time, and I don't understand why why it got so much hate. Uh, actually, I have, I have a theory that... Uh, because it was an M. Night Shyamalan film, it was just destined to get that much hate. Because, you know, I, I, I think a lot of it was residual from The Last Airbender. Because the movie wasn't bad. I, I, am I going to go as far as to call it great? No. But it wasn't bad. And again, super original. Nothing else really like it. Uh, yeah, no, this... I, I enjoyed it. I had fun watching it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's deserve nearly as much hate as it got. Uh, of all the films that I've seen of his, I think this one might be maybe not most worthy of a reappraisal, because I've been saying that about, that about The Village for years, but you know what? This one wasn't that bad, so at the very least, give it a chance, is all I'm saying. Uh, going back to his horror form, he goes and does uh, a film called The Visit, uh, once again, this is, and, and when I talk about going back to form, I mean, he's like back to his original, like, I'm going to give you a good and suspenseful horror film. There's going to be a twist ending. Everything's going to make sense. And there's going to be some scenes that freak you out. And I think the visit succeeds at all of these things. Uh, not quite as much as the sixth sense did, but as a film, when I, when I saw it first come out, I, I noticed that people were coming around to Shyamalan again. So, yeah, this was, if if anything, I'm going to call this his comeback feature. Uh, I don't think he ever left, but I do think that this is the one where, like, people got over the last airbender and are slowly beginning to be be like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, this is, this, this is a filmmaker who knows what he's doing. So yeah, um, no no notes here. This was this was a very good movie. Following that came Split. Now Split is 
interesting. Um, do I agree with its portrayal of a person with dissociative identity disorder? A uh, little problematic um, there. James McAvoy did a fantastic job not taking that away from him. Um, and as a film, if you can look past uh, those problematic elements, Split actually does a lot of things very well. Uh, the that, that would probably be my only issue with it is like, hey, um, yeah. But this one does have a twist ending, and that twist ending is... Um, it's pretty, uh, ambitious in that it reveals itself to be the sequel to Unbreakable. And I, I love that. I, I love how, like, you get to the, the end of this movie, everything is re resolved, question mark, and then, um, you see Bruce Willis sitting in a bar, and it's like, oh my god, the entire time, we didn't know we were watching a sequel. So... Yeah, it was really bold of him to, like, take this this film that, like, uh, people have been clamoring for a sequel for years and finally make that sequel and then not tell anyone that it's a sequel until after they watch the movie. Brilliant work. I loved it. Which, of course, uh, had to be closed off with part three, Glass. Uh, this one wasn't as well received as Split. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, if we're going to give uh, this trilogy the epic conclusion it deserves, I do feel it deserved a little bit better, let's get real. But, mainly because I didn't care for the ending. Uh, I thought the ending was kind of a downer, and I didn't want it to be. Uh, yeah, downer with the Twinge of Hope, and the Twinge of Hope was nice, but like I didn't want it to be the downer that it was. So, but overall, the film was very well made. I did enjoy that a lot. And finally, his most recent feature, Old. Um, so, I've mentioned before, like, uh, Disney has this thing where they take their popular shows and make them more popular by giving you memeable moments. Well, Old, the movie itself became a meme. Uh, the, the number of times I've seen jokes about the beach that makes you old, uh, I was living for it. It was hilarious. Um, I'm sure even Shyamalan got a kick out of that. Uh, some people claim, oh yeah, no, 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 we're making fun of the movie because it's such a bad premise. And to all of you, I say, I don't want to hear a single one of you complain that nothing is original ever again. Going back, uh, old slaps. Old really does slap. I had a lot of fun watching it, a lot of unironic fun watching it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this was a good movie. I didn't have any major complaints about it. Uh, this one was not an original idea by Shyamalan. It was based on a comic, uh, I mean, graphic novel, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, oh my gosh, yeah, Again, you don't see movies about a beach that makes people old, and Shyamalan does a good job at keeping that exciting, suspenseful, and interesting. So with that, yeah, if you look back on Shyamalan's career, um, I think there's only one movie in there that I think didn't work, and I, in his defense, I still don't believe 
any filmmaker could have made that work, especially given the parameters thrown at them by uh, the studio. So I don't think he's the bad filmmaker that people were swearing up and down that he was back in the mid-2000s, mid to late 2000s and early 2010s. But he's done some interesting, exciting work that you don't really see anything like it. Like, all of his movies are just refreshingly original. Uh, and a few of them are just downright great. Uh, there's one, at least one, that I'm very comfortable calling a classic, uh, The Sixth Sense. Uh, and the rest, I'm just like, yeah, if this isn't a great movie, you're at least going to probably have a really good time watching it. Uh, I think he's definitely worth another look. Uh, if you wrote him off because the village didn't scare you or because Lady in the Water was a little too different or possibly even because The Last Airbender was uh, The Last Straw, I don't don't write him off entirely. Uh, he's, I think he's a very talented filmmaker. I still look forward to everything he comes out with, uh, and yeah, his career is most definitely worthy of a reappraisal. Stay tuned for some upcoming episodes that are going to be focused mainly on the horror genre. I'm looking forward to talking with my guests about this, and uh, sorry for the delay in these episodes. Um, this has been a very busy month for me. But thanks for sticking with me. I hope you were not just entertained, but somehow reborn together. <laughs>